0: Hello everyone. Welcome back to the KKWP podcast with your host Precious P. First and foremost, happy new year everyone. Welcome to 2024. I'm so grateful and so blessed for the opportunity to see this year and I am super excited for what God has in stores. Not even just for the podcast, but for my life personally, spiritually, academically, financially. I'm super excited for how God is going to move. And I am hoping and praying that he will move in you guys' life as well. So it is 2024, y'all. And God had to get me right with this word. I believe this word needs to be spoken, uh, spoken about. I don't hear it often in the Christian communities or people don't emphasize the importance of this word and the spirit of the Lord woke me up last night at 2 a.m. to give me this word and he just continued to give me further revelation and insight regarding this topic. So today's topic is going to be fear of God. I had to take a pause because God had to convict me of this. We get so accustomed to being in relationship with God or we get so used to the idea of God is our father. God loves us. And while this is extremely true, 100% true, There's no doubt about it. I am living proof of God's love, and so are you. But we cannot negate the fact that fearing God also plays a major role in our walk with Christ. So to understand how to fear God in a healthy way. We have to understand who God is. So many people have a lack of reverence for God, especially in this generation, especially in today's society. So many people just take God's name and slander it, use it in vain, use it how, however and whenever and whatever they want. And people don't even understand the power, the weight, the glory, the authority that the name of God carries. At the name of God alone carries so much power that we can't even under, understand or comprehend ourselves as humans. So the first thing is we need to learn who we are dealing with. Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 39 says, See how that I myself am he. There is no God besides me. I put to death and I bring to life. I'm the one who wounds and heals. No one can rescue can be rescued from my powerful hand. God has the power to kill and bring to life. And I want to emphasize this because. God brought me through many examples in the Bible, which we're going to dive into, but I want to make such a huge emphasis on this because I believe it was a week and a half or two weeks ago, I heard this and it just bought a whole, like a whole new, deepened level of reverence for God. We have to understand that God can kill us if he wants. And again, I understand that this is not the popular gospel, which says God loves everyone, God forgives, God gives grace, God gives mercy, God is all these other all these wonderful things, which that is a hundred percent facts, one hundred percent undeniable. But God can also kill us. We get so fixated on the mindset that God is. All these different things that we begin to test God we continue to test him test to see how much grace he's gonna give us test to see how much mercy he's gonna give us test to see how much favor he's gonna give us we push those boundaries to see how far can we go with our disobedience how far can we go in our sinning to a point where God can't forgive us we Push God to the limit and we try to test every single thing it is that God has so mercifully granted unto us. We test his grace, we test his mercy for us, we test all of these things that He that He so graciously provided to us. Deuteronomy 6 16 declares you must not test the Lord your God. In the book of Numbers and Exodus, the people of Israel continued to test God while they were in the wilderness. Because they kept testing God with a golden calf, um, not trusting him to provide for them food, manna, whatever it may be, not trusting them to keep them safe from enemies not trusting him to walk them into the promised land so many times they kept testing god and as a result of them testing god they were deemed to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until that entire generation died off in numbers 14 god said to them numbers 14 verse 20 then the lord said I will pardon them as you have requested, but as surely as I live and as surely as the earth is filled with the Lord's glory, not one of these people will ever enter the promised land. Then it went on to say, but again and again, they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. They will never even see the land I swore to give their ancestors. Then it goes on to say, You will all drop dead in the wilderness because you complained against me. Every one of you who is 20 years old and older, which was included in the registration, will die. You will not enter and occupy the land I swore to give you. Then it went on to say, Because your men explored the land for 40 days, you must wander in the wilderness for 40 years, a year for each day, suffering the consequences of your sin. Do you not understand that we're not supposed to test God? So many times people are using God's grace for granted. These people, these Israelites, they seen the power of God. They seen what he did in Egypt. They seen how he parted the Red Seas. They seen how he brought manna down as a dew from heaven. They seen how Moses split the rock open for water to be provided for them. They seen all these wonderful works of God, yet they still continue to test God. And just like those Israelites, we have people today, whether it's in the churches, Christian communities, society, uh, platforms, where, wherever the name of God is being used, people continue to test God. They test him because they don't see the immediate consequences of God's wrath. It is so unwise of us. To continue to operate in a manner that is considered to be a sin to God. Those who are wise understand that fearing the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. As declared in Proverbs. Proverbs also declares in Proverbs chapter 14 verse 27. The fear of the Lord is a life-giving fountain. It offers escape from the snares of death. The snares of death. To fear the Lord is to escape death. But those who do not fear the Lord will see death. So, so many times people think that they could keep sinning, 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 sinning. And they swear or they make such assumptions that God won't take them out. They make such assumptions that God cannot kill them because of his covenants. And while that very well is the truth, the Bible also declares in James chapter 4, verse 17. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. So it is a sin to make a deliberate decision to commit a sin. Like, it's one thing if you commit a sin and you had no intention of committing it. You fell short of the glory of God. There's grace, there's the blood of Jesus. Jesus paid for the prices of sin, which was death, by dying on the cross and being resurrected from the dead three days later. Jesus has paid complete atonement for every single last one of our sins. His blood covers us, right? But then it's a whole different ball game. When people choose to sin, like you made a deliberate decision, deliberate is defined as done consciously and intentionally. You had calculated thoughts. You decided to commit this sin. You knew it was a sin and you still did it. So there's a complete difference in falling short of the glory of God, because the word declares that we will all fall short of the glory of God, right? But to sit there and intentionally commit a sin, that obviously reveals that there is a lack of reverence for who God is. Because if God is telling someone not to do something and they choose otherwise, they choose to disobey God and disobey his commands, that reveals that there is a lack of reverence. There is a lack of fear for the Lord. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 25, it declares, If someone sins against another person, God can mediate for the guilty party. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede for that person? Who can intercede if you sat there and committed a sin against God? It's one thing for it to be man versus man, but man versus God There is absolutely no one who can intercede on the behalf of that person if they decide to intentionally disobey God. And the price that we are supposed to pay for sinning is death. The Bible declares in Romans 6 chapter 23, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. But if you just sat there and committed a sin against God, who can intercede for you on, on your behalf to reveal that you shouldn't die? See, the whole point of Christ is that when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sins. He doesn't see our mess. He looks at us and he sees his son. We, Jesus gives us his robe. Jesus washes us white as snow. Jesus cleanses us and changes us as as we continue to develop in our relationship with him. He makes us holy. He makes us righteous. So for the people that keep sinning, but they say that they have a relationship with God, how can you? And again... We all fall short. So I'm not going to sit here and act like, oh, everybody's going to, all those who follow Christ are going to be perfect. No. But to sit there and make a cautious decision to sin. How can you declare that you love God? How can you declare that you fear God if you're doing something that he's commanding you not to do? It even goes on to say in Psalms 19 verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart. That I may not sin against you. See, when you love God, when you spend time with God, when you meditate on his word, when you understand who he is, when he becomes an important part of your life, when your life is centered around Christ, when you are so Holy Spirit filled and Holy Spirit led, you will meditate on the words of God day and night. And you will understand what it means to have reverence for the Lord and why You ought to have the words of God hidden and plastered on the tablets of your heart so that when that time does come, you make sure you don't sin against God. For you to sin against God is to be unwise and those who are unwise will surely see death. The Bible declares that many people will perish for the lack of knowledge. To be unwise is to lack knowledge. You will perish if you, don't under, if you don't know the word of God. The word of God is a life-giving fountain. So if you don't know the word of God, you don't know who God is. And in turn, you don't understand his power. And in turn, you don't understand why he commands us to do certain things and not to do certain things. Therefore, you lack reverence for God because you don't even know who he is. And again, I understand the popular gospel, which promotes, which promotes messages like the feel good messages, the messages that attract people, the messages that make people feel good inside, the message that, you know, that, 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 that people love to hear the messages that people can apply to their life without having to see what's hidden under the veil. Not many are talking about the whole Bible. Most are using the same well-known scriptures and regurgitating the same messages in the churches, pulpits, platforms. You see the same verses over and over and over. And again, this is not to condemn anybody. But the whole Bible matters. The whole Bible matters. The whole word of God matters. These words in the Bible aren't just filler words. These words in the Bible aren't just there to occupy one's mind in the meantime while, until you get to the important parts. No, every single word that is in this book, every single word, two-letter words, one-letter word, whatever it may be, is important. The whole scripture matters. Not just the portions that make people feel good and encourage, but also the scriptures that convict. Also, the scriptures that teach us how to live in holiness and righteousness. Also, the scriptures that teach us how and why to deny ourselves. Also, the scriptures that teach us about correction and discipline. I, I, I'm I've started to notice that a lot of people who have platforms, they don't go into the details of scripture. They're very surface level with scripture. And God wants us to get involved in the details of his word. He wants us to seek him for further revelation. He wants us to seek him for further knowledge concerning his word. He wants us to seek him about the parts of scripture that those other people consider small or less important. Which every word in the scripture is equally important. But a lot of people deem the popular verses as most important because that's what attracts the people. That's what makes the people feel good. And the word of God is uplifting. The word of God is encouraging. But the word of God also teaches you how to live a disciplined lifestyle. The word of God also is going to read you. The word of God is also going to shine light on on any kind of darkness. The word of God is also going to. Correct you. The word of God is also going to convict you. So it's easy to watch a sermon when it makes you feel good. And life is all well. It's, and, and it's so proud of us to even assume. It's so proud of us to even assume that not all scripture matters. It's so proud of us to think that we can take certain scriptures. We can take the Proverbs three. 5 through 6, we can take the Philippians 4, 6 through 7. We can take the Exodus 14, 14, we can take the Romans 8.28, we can take the John 8 36, we can take the John 3 36, we can take the Mark eleven twenty four. we can take the Ephesians 6, we can take Galatians 5.22, how we can take certain parts of scripture and apply it to our lives when we feel like it. How proud of us assume that we don't need the whole Bible. How proud of us to assume that we don't even need to read the Bible. How proud of us to think that we can know God without reading his word. The only way to know God is to know his word because he sounds just like his word. He would not contradict anything that he says. The Bible even declares that God will honor his word above his own name. So if God is honoring his word above his own name. How proud of people to take God's name to defend words that came out of their own mouth. How you open your mouth to use God's name to defend your actions, actions that are never mentioned in the Bible. Words that came out of your mouth that are never mentioned in the Bible. Where you see in the Bible, God said to, to join these sororities and fraternities. Where you see in the word of God, it says that God worshipped other idols. How you going to use God's name and say, oh, I, uh, God, God told me to join this fraternity sorority. How you going to use God's name and get in the pulpit knowing you want a secret br- brotherhood. But have the word of God in your mouth. How you going to use God's name to back up something he didn't even tell you to do? How you going to use God's name to pursue your own will? How you going to use God's name in vain? So when people continue to use God's name to back up things that aren't in his word, that is a sin against God. That is literally considered blasphemy. Blasphemy is defined as the act or offense of speaking sacrilegiously about God or sacred things. Sacrilegiously is defined as involving or committing sacrilege. Sacrilege is defined as violation or misuse of what is regarded as sacred. Luke 12 verse 10 declares anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemies the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. How are you going to take God's name and attach it to something he ain't never say out of his mouth? And a lot of people get caught up in this because they don't even know the word of God. But you, but you using God's name in your caption. You're using God's name in places, in a situation, and in conversations that ain't got nothing to do with His word. You're using God's name, in things that aren't even in alignment with the Word of God. When God told you to go get that psychiatric reading. When God told you to let that person do tarot cards with you. When God told you to go sacrifice at a at a hidden altar. When God told you that you could. Hold idols over him. When did God tell you this? So for you to think you could use God's name in any way, shape, or form. That is a sin. Do you not understand the power that comes at the name Jehovah Jireh? Jehovah Nissi? Jehovah Tiskanu? Elom, El Shaddai? Jehovah Rapha? All these wonderful names of God. Do you not understand the power and the weight and the authority that comes behind the name of God? Do you not know he will move heaven and hell regarding his word? Do you not know that he will send his angel? (laughs) Do you not understand what what the name Jehovah means? Jehovah of armies? he will kill you and i hate to be so harsh with this but i need us to understand that there's a level of reverence and fear required when serving god and this is not this this message is not far out this message is not only for the people who don't know god this message is not even only for the people who have a lukewarm relationship with God this message is also for the people in the churches as well this message is also for the people who have Christian platforms as well this message is also for the people in the pulpits this message is also for the people serving in church this message is for everyone there is a level of reverence and fear required if you are going to serve and follow God There is a level of reverence required from the people of God. God is holding his church to a higher standard. God is holding the body of Christ to a higher standard. Why when the worldly people look at the church, they don't see no reverence for God. Why would they want to fear God? If God's own people don't even fear him. Why should they fear God if God's own people don't fear him? How are we going to say, oh, we love the Lord, but negate the fact that we got to fear him and have a level of reverence and respect for the name of God. Many people have the the words of God, have the name of God on their lips, but their heart is far from God. God is getting ready to deal with those people because what this does is it misleads people into thinking that they can deal and handle God in any way, shape, form, or matter. If we look at the story of Moses, so I'm going to take y'all back to Numbers chapter 20. Um, well, basically, I'm going to read a few bits and pieces and I'm going to skip around. Numbers 20, it states that there was no water for the people to drink at the place, so they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. The people blamed Moses and said, if only we had died in the Lord's presence with our brothers, why have you brought the congregation of the Lord's people into the wilderness to die along with our livestock? Then it goes on to say, then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, you and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community. As the people watch, speak to the rock over there and it will pour out its waters. You will provide enough water for the, from the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. So Moses did as he was told. He took the staff from the place where it was cut before the Lord. Then he and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather at the rock. Listen, you rebels, he shouted. Must we bring you water from this rock? Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with his staff and water gushed out. So the entire community of livestock drank their fill. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I am giving you. So the Lord gave Moses and Aaron a command to speak to the rock. Moses and Aaron disobeyed God, ultimately sinning against God by betraying him, by by being disobedient and not listening to his command, they sh- Moses struck the rock instead of, li- instead of speaking to the rock as the Lord commanded him to do so. As a result, the Lord said to Moses that him and Aaron both would not enter into the promised land. Now, mind y'all, Moses is one of the greatest people in the Bible, Right? He led the people out of Israel. He was the one that the Lord used to part the Red Sea with the staff. He was the one that walked with the Israelites all through the wilderness. But don't ever think that because the Lord used you in such a mighty way that you could disobey his commands and think that the consequences will not come to you. And as the story continues, God reveals to Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 32, he said this to Moses. Go to Moab, to the mountains east of the river, and climb Mount Nebo, which is across Jericho. Look out across the land of Canaan, and the land I am giving to the people of Israel as their own special possession. Then you would die there on the mountain. You will join your ancestors, just as Aaron, your brother, died on Mount Hor, and joined his ancestors. For both of you betrayed me with the Israelites at the water of Meribah at Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin. You failed to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel there. So you will see the land from a distance, but you, will, but you may not enter the land I am giving to the people. Both Moses and Aaron faced a premature death because they disobeyed the command of God. They betrayed God. They sinned against God. And as a result, they died. They did not make it into the promised land. They died before they got to the they were able to even get to the place, the very place that Moses bought them out of Egypt to bring them to. So as God's people, we must learn. That the reverence of God, the fear of God, gives us a boundary. Boundaries in how, how we are to interact with God. Yes, this is, we do not live in the times of the Old Testament where the only way for people to come into the presence of God was by the high priest. We now have direct access to God because of the sacrifice that Jesus Christ did on Calvary. Because God gave his one and only begotten son that whoever may believe in him shall have eternal, shall not perish but have eternal life. So because of the sacrifice of Jesus and the fact that he tore the veil from top to bottom, we now have direct access to God. But. We are living in a time of New Testament, but that does not negate Old Testament, right? And in the Old Testament, it takes us back to Exodus 19, and basically, the Lord, the Lord told Moses that He was going to reveal Himself to the people at Mount Sinai, but the Lord also said this. So we're in um, Moses. 19, he said, the Lord said to Moses, I will come in a thick cloud, Moses, so the people themselves can hear me when I speak with you. Then they will always trust you. He went on to say, go down and prepare the people for my arrival, consecrate them today and tomorrow and have them wash their clothes. Be sure they are ready on the third day. For on that day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai as all the people watch. Mark off a boundary all around the mountain. Warn the people, be careful. Do not go up on the mountain or even touch its boundaries. Anyone who touches the mountain will certainly be put to death. No hand may touch the person or animal that crosses the boundary. Instead, stone them or shoot them with arrows. They must be put to death. He told Moses again, Go back down and warn the people not to break through the boundaries to see the Lord or they would die. Even the priests who regularly come near the Lord must purify themselves so that the Lord does not break out and destroy them. But Lord, Moses protested, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai. You already warned us. You told me mark out a boundary all around the mountain to set it apart as holy. But the Lord said, go down and bring Aaron back up with you. In the meantime, do not let The priests or people break through to approach the Lord or he will break out and destroy them. He mentioned this bound, God mentioned this boundary three times for a reason. Moses went and warned the people one time. God told them again. God told Moses again, warn the people a second time. God said to Moses again. A third time, to continuously warn the people to not approach the boundary of all around the mountain. Because that's where the presence of the Lord was hosted. Many people think that we can approach God any kind of way. We can come and present ourselves to God in any kind of way. Meaning, we could come before God brokenhearted we can come before god require needing healing we can come before god sad upset angry needing salvation needing to be restored needing to be delivered needing to be set free yes come as you are but we can't approach god in any manner you not gonna just run up on god in any kind of way and think that there's no consequences there is a mannerism in which we are required to approach God. There is a boundary set between flesh and spirit, and the only one who can intermediate uh, mediate for us is Jesus. So, when people get to heaven and God says, "Well done, my good and faithful servant," He's not talking about us. No, 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 no. He's not talking about us sinners. It's because when God looks at us, he sees his son. He sees Jesus. Romans 8 verse 34 declares, who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. He is sitting in place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. So it's not that we don't. It's not that God is saying, well, and, uh, uh, good job, my faithful servant. He's talking to Jesus because when we accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, we took on the identity of Christ. So when God looks at us, he doesn't see us. He sees Jesus. So again, we must understand there is a boundary in which um, uh, which indicates a mannerism in which we are to approach God. He told the people to consecrate themselves, purify themselves before they came into the presence of the Lord. So, again, this doesn't mean that we don't have close proximity with God. This doesn't mean that we don't have direct access with God. We just have to acknowledge the power in the presence of God. Because when we acknowledge the power, that is in the presence of God, the glory, the weight that it carries as a, he comes as a thick cloud. He came in a fire before the people. When we understand the, 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 the intenseness of the presence of God, we understand and we acknowledge that we are to come and approach God correctly. So many people don't understand the power in the presence of God so they think that they can come before God in any kind of way they think that they don't have to consecrate and purify themselves they think that they can act anyway speak anyway talk anyway before the presence of the living God and it's all rooted in the fact that there's a lack of reverence for God those who do not fear the Lord, those who sin against God will surely see death. The Bible declares that the wages of sin are death. The only thing that can save you from death is fearing God. When you fear God, that is the beginning of wisdom. When you have wisdom, you begin to receive the conviction from God, understanding that it's coming of a place of love. You receive the discipline. The Bible declares that God disciplines those whom he loves. You receive the correction. And you are wise enough to fix your behavior. Fix your thought patterns. Allow the word of God to renew your mind. Allow Jesus to wash you, cleanse you, make you holy, pure, and acceptable before the Lord. You understand that it's time to correct yourself. When you fear God... You don't stay the same. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. If you ever came into the presence of God, you uh, the fear of God should fall upon you like never before. So those who truly fear God, they never stay the same. Because it's something about the presence of God. It's something about his authority. He don't even have to speak. You being in his presence alone. You being in his presence alone, your spirit recognizes who God is. You begin to fear God. And out of that fear, you begin to operate in the manner that God is commanding you to operate. He commands you to obey his 10 commandments. He commands us his children to live to a higher standard. We are called to a higher standard. He commands us to be set apart from the world. He commands us to do these things because we are his children. So how is it that his very own children are starting to blend in with the world? His very own children can't even be told apart from the world. It's because there is a lack of reverence amongst his children. When Jesus returns, he is looking for a church without a spot or wrinkle. So those of of you who lack or don't have that level of reverence for God, you need to relearn who he is. You don't fear him because you don't know him. You don't fear him because you never took the time to understand what the name Jehovah means. When you fear somebody, you're not going to do nothing that, 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 that's, that's going to be considered a sin against them. You're going to listen to every single command. When, when, when I was living with my dad, boy, I feared that man so much. Because I knew that if I disobeyed anything that he said, ooh, that whooping was coming. That discipline was on the way. I feared him, so I made sure I I listened to everything he said. I did everything he said, and I didn't do nothing that was considered to be outside of what he told me to do. Same with God. He is our father. A father is going to discipline his child. The Bible declares that if a father doesn't discipline his child, he doesn't love him. God disciplines those whom he loves. A lot of y'all don't even want to get to know God because... When that light starts to shine on the darkness that's inside of you. When when it's time to receive that discipline. When it's time to receive that correction. When it's time to receive that conviction. Y'all don't want to hear it. That's why so many of y'all so attracted to the popular gospel. That's why so many of y'all attracted to the feel good messages. That's why so many of y'all attracted to the quote unquote uh popular bible verses That's why so many of y'all never pick up the word of God Because when you pick up that word of God That conviction start to hit That correction start to hit Because God wants to change you He wants to change how you think You are called to be set apart Why are you out there trying to look like the world? Why are you out there trying to be like the world? He calls you to be set apart And those of you that know you have a calling on your life. And you trying to live in the world. You trying to please the world. You trying to satisfy the world. What you think. If God sends Satan to hell for sin. What you think he going to send you. You think that. You have a get out of jail free card. You think that you can deliberately sin against God you think that you can use God's name in vain you think you can take God's grace for granted if you are listening to this message and any of these things resonate with you this is God sending you a wake-up call for the year of 2024 God is not playing with his children God is not playing with the people in the pulpits, the people in the church house, the people on Christian platforms using his name. But you guys are living completely opposite to his word. He is not pleased. He is not pleased. God will begin to wipe out those who are not living the standard that he is calling you to live. Those who aren't living holy and righteous in a way that is pleasing and acceptable unto God. But you have the name of God on your lips. Bringing his name in vain. He is getting ready to deal with you guys. And again I know this is probably not the message y'all want to hear for the beginning of 2024. But this may be the wake up call that you need in the beginning of the year. So you can begin to allow that correction to come. This is not the year to be making assumptions. This is not the year to assume that you... No, God, this is not the year to assume. You've got to be sure when it comes to God. you got to be sure of the word of God. You have to be sure because when you're sure of the word of God, you understand who God is. You understand his presence, his power, his glory, and the weight that it carries. This is not the year of assumption. Now, if we read 2 Samuel chapter 6, it says, then David again gathered an elite troop of." the all the elite troops of in Israel 30,000 in all he led them to Bala of Judah to bring back the ark of god which bears the name of the lord of heaven's army who was enthroned between the cherim. enthroned is defined as i sit or i am seated The word continues to say, they placed the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from Abdenham's house, which was on a hill. Uzzah and Oah, Abdenham's son, were guiding the cart that carried the ark of God. Uwa walked in front of the ark. David and all the people of Israel were celebrating before the Lord, singing songs and playing all kinds of musical instruments, lyres, harps, tambourines, castronets, and cymbals. But when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nakan, the oxen stumbled and Uzzah reached out his hand and steadied the Ark of God. Then the Lord's anger was was aroused against Uzzah and God struck him dead because of this. So Uzzah died right there besides the Ark of God. It went on to say, David was now afraid of the Lord, and he asked, How can I even how can I ever bring the Ark of God back into my care? So the 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 point I'm trying to get at here is that this man, Uzzah, he reached out his hand to try and go and steady the Ark of God. The Ark of God literally carried the immediate presence and glory of God in Israel. So when he went out to reach his hand to steady the Ark of God, It was because the oxen had stumbled. So he assumed that the ark assumed, assumed that the ark would probably stumble over after the the, the oxen stumbled. He assumed, and because of his assumption, he went and tried to place his hand on the presence of God. So when I say this is not the time, year, place for assumptions. It's not the time for you to assume anything. This man assumed that the ark of God was probably going to fall over or tip over or something was going to happen to the ark because of what was going on around him. Because the oxen had stumbled. So out of his, out of his, whatever it may have been that caused him to do that, he reached out his hands to go and put it on the presence of God. If he understood the power and the imminent presence that was upon that ark. Why then did he assume that it was okay for him to go and touch the presence of God? The Lord anger aroused against him and struck him dead right next to the Ark of Covenant because he assumed that he could go and touch the Lord's presence. He assumed that he could go and touch something that carried the presence of God. This Ark was built to carry the presence of God from all over Israel so they could physically move the presence of God from the temple to different places from the tabernacle to different places and if we if we look into the design of that ark, which is read in Exodus 25 31 God is very specific in the details God is specific in how this this, this, this ark is designed, the, the, the inch of it, the weight of it, the height of it, the materials used to build this. God is very specific on how he wants things done. So if God is so specific in how he wants the structure of things, why would he not be very stern and specific on his commands? Why would why do we think that God is going to waver on his commands? Why do we think God is going to give us a green light on things that he hates? So for us to love the very things that he hates means that we don't love God. God hates sin. Why do we in the kingdom of God tolerate it? God hates certain things. Why are we tolerating it in the churches? God hates so many things. Again, he are, he's very specific about the things that he does not like, the things that he detests. So why are we putting up with these things? Again, it's all because there is a lack of reverence for the Lord. Because if I fear, if, if, if someone is to fear a person and that person hates that thing are you going to go do that thing that the person hates if you fear them no so there is no true reverence man and especially in again in the churches there's no true reverence y'all i just i was on tiktok the other day y'all and the 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 title was only churches in atl And the church was playing like hood music. Like Santa, I'm swagging, I'm surfing, I'm swagging. All the little bops or whatever that they play at, like, you know, clubs and stuff. The churches was playing in it. And they talking about keep it holy, y'all. That is a lack of reverence for the Lord. That music is not honoring or glorifying to the Lord. So how do you have that playing in the churches? A lot of churches are tolerating the things that God hates. God is gonna wipe clean the churches first. He's coming to examine the churches first. There is so much lack of reverence, man, in the community, in the Christian community, and and in so many aspects as far as. Christianity, there's such a lack of reverence and it stems because there is a lack of reverence in the church. The church is setting the standard, setting the tone for the people of God. But if the church itself don't even fear God, it teaches people that they don't have to fear God. Why is God having to pull people out of the churches just to uh, just to renew their mind so that they can gain a healthy fear of God? Why is God having to separate people from the churches just for God to, to reveal himself to them? Why are people leaving the churches? We have such a Large population of people that don't even proclaim a faith. We have such a large population of people who are walking out of churches. Because the pastors themselves are aligning themselves with things that God hates. How you a pastor. And you got the fraternities and sororities. And flaunting them through the churches. How you a pa- how you a pastor and you're accepting the things that break God's heart? How you a- how you supposed to be leading a congregation of people and you committing in things that that you think that God don't see? You think you so high up? You think you so above the people? You think you so favored by God? You think you're so anointed by God? And it's undeniable the gifts that people have. It's undeniable. But the same way he, allowed, uh, he, he he called for Moses to be dead before he entered the promised land. Such a prominent person. Someone who played such a large role in the coming of Israel. someone uh, In the Israel people. Someone who played such a large role in the word of God. And he still allowed Moses to die prematurely because Moses disobeyed him, betrayed him, and sinned against him. And we have people in the churches thinking that God won't do the same to them because they're so high up. And even those people who may not be as high up, you think that God don't see you? You're using his name to per, uh, to, 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 to lift up your platform? But in, 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 in your in your daily life you're living completely opposite to the Word of God. How you speaking and praying over people and you allowing your, your, your things that you keep hidden in secret to now those spirits have access to the very people that you're pla- praying over while using your platform. People out here walking in the ways of wickedness and think that God won't strike them dead. People out here walking in the ways of wickedness and think that they can use the grace of God as an excuse to do what it is that they're doing. The people who call themselves Christians, followers of Christ, and don't even know how to deny themselves. The people who are using God's name to validate or what they assume to be validation for their own words, their own actions that aren't the word of God. You think that God won't strike you dead? And I know this is a hard message to hear. But the spirit of God is calling for a spiritual cleansing among the churches, the Christian communities, the people who are claiming his name, the people who are claiming to be followers of Jesus Christ. God is calling for a spiritual cleansing before he sends the angel of death. And if you do not have the blood of the lamb painted on your doorpost, the plague of death will hit your household and God will take your life. These words do not come lightly. To use God's name does not come lightly. But the spirit of God is speaking. The body of Christ is in a spiritual slumber. The churches are in a spiritual slumber. That is why the enemy is having his way in the pulpits. That is why the enemy is having his way with the people of God. Because the churches are sleeping. The churches are in a spiritual slumber. The churches are in a spiritual inactivity. They're inactive in the spirit. God gave you a word to say to your people, but because it wasn't popular or because it wasn't what the people wanted to hear, you changed the direction of the message you was going to preach. God bought you a word, you prophets, to go and warn his people and you guys aren't sounding the alarm. God has spoken and the word of God is sure to come to pass. body of Christ wake up we are called to be ambassadors of Christ and is this the standard we are supposed to be setting for the people of God that we don't fear the Lord that we lack reverence for God this is the standard that is being promoted we can the standard that's being promoted says we can dress any kind of way We can support things that God defines as an abomination. We can can speak however we want. We can exhibit fruits in our life that aren't fruits of the Holy Spirit and still proclaim the name of God. Wake up, body of Christ. Wake up, people of God. Time is running out. The Lord says he's going to deal with those who have no fear of him. Who lack the reverence. You have no respect for the Lord you in the presence of the Lord and you letting filthy words come out of your mouth. you in the presence of the Lord and you have all different types of your body parts showing. you in the presence of the Lord and you have the audacity to use his name in vain. Wake up, people of God. The reason why the world thinks what, we're, what, what they're doing is okay is because... We have not called them to rise up to the standard because we ourselves don't live up to the standards that God has put in place. Wake up, body of Christ. There's a spiritual slumber going on. The enemy only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You know who he's going to attack first? Those who are in a slumbering spirit. On many occasions, the Bible calls for the people of God to be awake, to be alert, to be sober-minded because the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for whom he can devour. We don't. The body of Christ don't even have the discipline to fast. The body of Christ don't even have the discipline to wake up when the Spirit of God tells them to wake up to pray. To intercede. The body of Christ no longer has the stamina to even sit in the presence of God. To meditate on his word. To wait till he responds. God is going to do a cleansing in the body of Christ. Before God even indicts a, a, a judgment. He will send Warning. The Bible declares in Proverbs 27, verse 12, a prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. So those who are wise will understand to take heed to the word of God and understand and what is to come and make the decision to turn from their wicked ways and to begin to fear the Lord and... Hebrews 12 verse 25 it says be careful that you do not refuse to listen to one who is speaking for if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses the earthly messenger we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven when God spoke from Mount Sinai his voice shook the earth but now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. For our God God is a devouring fire. Let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. Holy fear. We need to understand that the fear of God, the fear of the Lord is absolutely imminent in our well-being, in our, in our foundation, in, our, in, in everything. In everything that we do, we need the fear of God. He is coming to shake up the churches. He is coming to shake things up. And the only things that are going to remain are those that are unshakable. That's the only thing that are going to remain. So those of you in the kingdom of God who are lukewarm who are, don't have a solid foundation in the word of God. Don't have a solid foundation with God himself. You are double minded. Unstable in all of your ways. You, you, you waver left and right. You are lukewarm. You are indecisive. You are shakable. So when God comes to shake up the body of Christ. Shake up the churches. Those that are not firm. Will be shaken by God. So y'all. thank y'all for listening. Um, again. I know this was a heavy word. A heavy word. Again. God woke me up in the middle of the late night. In the middle of the midnight hour. To give me this message. He was send a warning before his judgment. This will fall in the ears of those who need to hear it, share the message, spread the message to whoever you got to share it to. And just take heed to the warning. God is not a man that he shall lie. And I don't have, I don't even have the audacity to give this message if God did not give it to me. We need to learn to receive wisdom correction discipline conviction and learn from it allow this 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 that this that you're hearing to be the conviction that you needed to put that fire under your butt to get up and get going to get up and stop playing around let this let this audio serve as your conviction receive that correction and discipline from god and get to moving. Because God is going to shake things up. As much as 24, 2024 is going to be a year filled with blessings. God is also getting ready to shake out those from the body of Christ. Who are causing condemnation. Who are causing so much strife in the churches. Who is causing so much issues amongst the body of Christ. Who are leading people astray from the gospel. Who are living in a lack of fear for him. Living in a lack of respect. A lack of honor for him. He's getting ready to move those people. He's getting ready to move those people. So understand that 2024 God is on the move. It's either you are going to see the blessings of God. Or you're going to see the wrath of God. You choose what side you're going to be on. Thank y'all for listening. This is the KKWP Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Precious P. And don't take everything I say. Take it back to the word of God. Take it back to God. Ask God. Read the word of God for yourself. Don't depend on what I'm saying. Open that scripture up. Open the book up. Read the stories for yourself. Matter of fact, if you need some reverence, if you need some references, I got Genesis chapter chapter 38, verse 7, where God struck someone dead because of his wickedness. Genesis chapter 38, verse 10, God struck someone dead because of their pride and disobedience. I have Exodus, I'm sorry, I have 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 6 through 7, where God struck someone dead. Because they were proud and they had assumptions. I have 1 Samuel chapter 4, 11. Where the Lord took Eli's son's life because of blasphemy against the Lord. I have Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 48 through 52. Where God spoke to Moses that Moses would not make it into the promised land. I have Numbers chapter 20 verse 2 through 12. Where Moses and Aaron struck the rock instead of speaking to it. I have Exodus 19 where God placed boundaries in which we are to come into the, of how we are to come into the presence of God. If we did not obey those boundaries, we would surely die. I have Numbers chapter 14 verse 34 where the Israelites were going, where God said that they were going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years and die because of their sins. I have Numbers chapter 15, verse 30 to 31, where those who commit blasphemy against the Lord will suffer the punishment for their guilt. And again, y'all, I could there's so many verses in in the word of God where you like it shows that there you just you got to be on point when it comes to stuff. You can't sit there and say, I don't know, or I didn't know that. You will perish for the lack of knowledge. And again, this is not to scare anyone. This is not to drive anyone away from God. But those who are wise love love, uh, correction. Those who are foolish hate correction. Take this back up with God, asking to confirm his word to you, asking to speak to you, give you discernment, give you wisdom, give you knowledge, give you revelation concerning his word. He will surely speak. Don't just take what I'm saying and run with it. Go and seek God for yourself. Seek what he is saying. Again, y'all, I hope you guys... Have enjoyed 2024 thus far. I know it's just been a few days, but I have already been seeing God move tremendously. That is why I understand the the magnitude in which He is speaking this message to me to relate to you guys. Because it's only day three, and I've seen God. I, I've been witnessing God move <laughs> in such a mighty way. So I can only imagine what's to come for 2024. So, um, I'm sending this message as an encouragement to my brothers and sisters in Christ and those who are, you know, coming to know Christ and all this, again, this message is completely out of love. I don't, I, this message is completely out of love. I love every single last one of you. Again, thank you guys for listening to the KKWP podcast. It is your girl P. Don't forget to. Follow us on Instagram at the KKWP Podcast. Subscribe to the podcast YouTube channel at the KKWP Podcast. I am also on TikTok at the KKWP Podcast. Thank you guys again, and I hope you guys have a good one. Bye-bye.